You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 42 in your Bibles this morning, Isaiah 42. You know how it is. As the Bibles open, the cell phones go on silent. Let's stay focused in here this morning, Isaiah chapter 42. I hope to be a help to you. I thought I'd be a long-winded preacher. When I first, my first message that I preached, I practiced in the mirror. I practiced over and over and over again. I had multiple pages and about 10 minutes worth of content for my academy chapel service. I got up and I got down in 90 seconds. And I said, I will never preach again. God has a sense of humor. Never thought I'd be a long-winded preacher, but you keep coming, so you know how it is. Sometimes you've been in short messages that felt like forever, and you've been in long messages that didn't go on long enough, so I'm trying for the latter, but my wife always tells me when I'm the former. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Behold my servant. Now, who do we think that is? That is Jesus, and for anybody who wants to comment that that is not the case. Just look at Matthew chapter 12, where Matthew chapter 12 quotes this passage about Jesus. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment, we should say amen at this one, to the Gentiles. How is he going to bring forth that judgment? Well, he shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Jesus speaks to people. He doesn't speak over people. Now, here's where I really want you to focus. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Similar phrases there. He says at first, he's going to bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And without going into much detail, he's basically saying, I'm going to give these very unworthy people a hearing with God. Remember, when the gospel was first given, it was given to the Jew first. But when Jesus comes, God said, it's actually my plan to bring judgment, to give the Gentiles a hearing with God. But then further, he says, I'm not just going to bring judgment to the Gentiles. He's going to bring judgment to the truth. And the best way that I can describe that is when he's talking about bringing judgment to the Gentiles, I see it as kind of a, he's bringing judgment from heaven down to the Gentiles, giving them a hearing. When he's bringing judgment to the truth, he's taking judgment and raising it up to the level where it should be. And whether we want to admit it or not, man's judgment is largely based on falsehood. But when Jesus comes, he is going to bring judgment to where it belongs based on the truth. And I'm going to completely give away my message, but here's the truth. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Jews needed to learn that. We need to learn that. Religious people need to learn that. Jonah needed to learn that as he's sitting up on the cliff saying, burn them. But what Jonah needed to admit is that his Jewish people were rejecting God, and yet those Gentiles accepted him. I want you to say these next four words. The first four words, and you know what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. To that first comma. I want us to say that together in verse four. Are you ready? He shall not fail nor be discouraged. You know why? Coming down to a world where the majority of 
judgment is based on falsehood, it is a difficult job to bring it up to truth where it belongs. It's a difficult job that Jesus had. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. Let's say it again. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. One more time. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. My message this morning, I have two titles and you can take whatever one resonates with you better. Title number one, worthless to man, but worth it to Jesus. Worthless to man, but worth it to Jesus. Title number two, don't hide from the healer. Father, if there's any in this room who do not know that they're going to heaven when they die, it is certainly our prayer that you would convict them of their need for a savior and of their sin and that you would save them as you saved those two yesterday. Lord, as the one last week in this very room was spoken to about their soul, there must be another in this room today that has been struggling with this question of their eternity. Father, tell them now, through my voice if you can, but certainly through the conviction of your Holy Spirit, tell that one person, those two people, those three people, however many, tell them right now, today is a very important day for them. And they will either leave here with Jesus or without excuse. Father, help them to come to a point of humility and accept you as their Savior, as many in this room have. And those who are feeling bruised today, those who are just a step away from being doused, oh, Father, please, let them rely on you today. We have many hurting hearts here. We have many bruised lives here. Help them to come to you this morning. Come to you just as they are. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last chance to open up your mint or your cough drop and get it out. Some of you are getting smart. You are pre-opening your mints and keeping them in your pocket. You may as well call them lints at that point, probably. <laughs> We really don't like this. Have you ever gone on, on YouTube before and you see these videos called Faith and Humanity Restored? There is good in people, you know, hashtag love and all that stuff. We don't like admitting this, but when we look at the world as it is today, it has largely come to be by following this principle, survival of the fittest. Consider history. History is written by the pen of the strong using the blood of the weak as their ink. The Spartans were known for taking deformed, unhealthy, weak babies that were born into their nation and casting them to the dogs or over the cliffs. Consider nature with me. Does not nature itself teach us that the strong survive? When predators hunt, they choose targets that are weaker than themselves. The predators who did not learn that principle are now extinct. Some have to learn that lesson the hard way. Like a little chihuahua that lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> and every once in a while, he roams around. But I had my garage open, and I have a dog in my garage. And 
the chihuahua came up and wanted to have a conversation with the dog in the garage. And I was like, no, 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 get, get, get out of here. So he kind of goes away. Just, I mean, just maybe, maybe you know, this big. Kind of dark brown, it's plump, it's definitely being fed, you know, and everything, but it's, it's just a little chihuahua. So I go on my walk. And as I come around on my walk, that chihuahua's back. And it's in my yard. And so I was like, get, go, get, get out of here. And it kind of starts barking, you know, and complaining at me and everything. And it, and it starts walking down the sidewalk, and I'm still following it, yelling at it. This thing circles back on me and kind of comes in the middle of the street. And he's circling at me, you know, and I'm kind of circling at him. And so I'm like, it's a, a stupid little chihuahua dog. I ain't putting up with this. So I get closer to it. I'm like, get out of here. Get, get, get. And that thing bares its teeth and charges me. And I will be honest, my heart fluttered a little bit. And, and someone from the ASPCA is probably watching or, or somebody from PETA or, or whatever. But that thing charged at me, my property. Okay, in America, and I'm a man. <laughs> what did you do? I kicked it. <laughs> I just, I put my foot out, just boom. <laughs> he learned stronger. What did you learn today? Your pastor is stronger than a chihuahua. <laughs> when predators find boldness, maybe in numbers, to attack a species that is stronger than it, even at that point, it does not attack the strongest specimen in the herd. It finds the weak young one. It finds the injured adult. It finds the elderly. It, it finds the weakest of them. Consider the politicians and celebrities of today, the famous people of today, who, while yelling that they care for the weak, climb on top of the heads of the weak in order to make themselves stronger. They cry about injustice while they use their fame in order to cover their crimes. They cry about inequality while their followers are living in poverty and they're living in mansions. Yeah, yeah. Consider the news and headlines of today. If you still watch the news, and if you found any that are trustworthy, yeah. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of what you read, the majority of what you hear will be infected with this principle. Let the strong remain and let the weak perish. We don't like to admit that, but that's what it is. We live in a cruel and a calloused world. I'm not being pessimistic, being realistic. We live in a cruel and calloused world where the weak and the damaged are mistreated, misrepresented, misplaced. As kind and good as we'd like to think we are, built inside the sinful nature of humanity is a shark's ideology. And when we smell blood in the water, we attack. And because of this, we learn very quickly to hide our wounds, even from children. We learn how to hide. We're extremely careful about who we allow to know about our weaknesses. Because every single one of us has revealed our weaknesses to the wrong person at one point or another, and we've been burned because of it. We have therefore become professionals at acting strong when we're really weak. We smile, but inside we're crying. Sometimes I feel our smiles are 
nothing more than a dam to hide back and hold back the flood of our tears. We laugh, but inside we're hurting. We say we're good. When we wish we had somebody we could tell, I'm not okay. We act like strong trees. Can I put it that way? We act like strong trees when we're actually bruised reeds. A reed is a fragile plant. We don't build our houses out of reeds. We don't use reeds as walking sticks. Reeds are near worthless even in their best state because even in their best state, they're easily bruised. All it takes is an animal to trod through where that reed is growing and it will, it will be bruised. All it takes is a wind that's a little bit too strong and it will be bruised. All it takes is a bird that's a little too hefty to land on its stalk and it will be bruised. So in this verse, a bruised reed symbolizes something, represents something. It represents a life that has been quickly, suddenly, and recently bruised by something. All was well, but a sudden blow has left you wounded. And now you know all it's going to take is one more gust of wind, one more person to walk too heavily by you, one more storm to pass through and you're gonna be broken. You know all it's gonna take is one more bit of bad news, one more harsh word spoken in your direction, one more disappointment from somebody that you counted on. One more reminder of your failings and you're gonna be broken. That's how close you are. The smoking flax is in the same situation, that close to being put out, doused. It's in the same situation as the bruised reed but it got there in a different way. While a bruised reed symbolizes a life that's been recently and quickly damaged, the smoking flax symbolizes a life that has been slowly withering away. If you're a bruised reed in here today, you don't have to go back very far to remember when you were good. If you're the smoking flax, you're struggling to remember the last day when you weren't struggling. Maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been months, maybe it's been years, dare say some of you over a decade struggling with something, but you finally reached the point where you know one more drop of rain, one more stiff and stray breeze, one more accidental disturbance and you will be extinguished. You can't do it anymore. A bruised reed is a worthless thing. Smoking flax is a worthless thing. The only quality that either of those things have going for them is that they're not dead yet but they're a lot closer to being dead than they are to being living. And none of us enjoy feeling that way. Nobody has ever taken pride in being a bruised reed and smoking flax. To find yourself as either of those worthless things is to admit four truths and none of them are pretty. None of them are good for our human ego. To say, I am a bruised reed, I am smoking flax, is to admit, first of all, we are not what we used to be. We used to be strong, but now we're bruised. 
We used to be brighter, but now we're barely smoking. We used to be happy, but now we're sad. We used to be upright, but now we're drooping over. We used to be ablaze, and now our last ember is barely glowing. What happened? What happened to you? What made you a bruised reed? What is suffocating your flame? I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to answer it in your mind. What happened to you? Now, whatever it is, here might be your answer. Does it matter? Maybe it's something that happened because of you. Maybe it's something that happened to you. Maybe it's both. But does it matter? All you know is you're not as strong as you used to be. And that's frustrating. You find yourself avoiding situations. And I could apply this in a lot of different ways, but you seem to be following. You find yourself avoiding situations that used to be no worry for you, but now they terrify you because you're not what you used to be. When your reed was standing tall, the winds of life didn't bother you, but now you tremble when a hummingbird flies by. You used to be burning brightly, but even a downpour didn't used to bother you, but now the humidity in the air scares you. You used to be able to handle problem after problem after problem. In fact, people came to you with their problems because you were able to handle them. Job said that at one point. People used to come to me, you know, and ask me my counsel and ask me my advice. And now nobody does that anymore. And if you read a little further, he's basically saying, I don't even know if they should because I don't even have my answers. And you used to be able to handle the problem after problem, but now every phone call scares you. What is this? What is this going to be? Because you're not what you used to be. You used to be able to bear the cruelty of this world, but now even when somebody gives you a compliment, you're thinking, what did they, what did they mean by that? You used to be a pillar at your workplace, but now you don't like going into work. You used to be able to rely on yourself to navigate through different things in life. And there is a problem with that. You're not supposed to rely on yourself. And maybe that's why God allowed you to be bruised. God never uses who he doesn't bruise first. Now stay with me. You used to be able to rely on yourself to navigate through certain things. But now every decision that comes up terrifies you because you're not what you used to be. And you feel as worthless as a bruised reed. You're not living. You're just surviving. That is horribly frustrating. But wait, there's more. We have to contend with this. To be a bruised reed or smoking flax means you're not what you could be. Like a runner who trips and falls in a race or constantly is impeded by obstacles, he's not going to be able to help but think, if I had not tripped or if those things were not there, I could be so much further right now. And likewise, you catch yourself saying in your mind and in your prayers and in your tears, if that certain event never would have happened, I'd be stronger. If I could just go back and change this, then I wouldn't be bruised. I could be so much stronger if that one bruising event never took place. If it wasn't for that one circumstance, that one person, that one thing, that one group of people, that one decision that I made, I wouldn't be bruised right now. I could be so much brighter if these string of events never happened. You say to yourself, if those weeks, if those months, if those years never took place, I wouldn't be in this position. You could be more, but you're not. So then you say, but I should be more. I shouldn't 
be bruised. I shouldn't be smoking. I should be better than I am now. Now, wait a minute. Wait. Here's my first response to that. If you are going to tell me, in all honesty, that you should be more than a bruised reed or smoking flax, then that has to mean the only reason you're bruised and the only reason you're smoking is because of your fault. If you are telling me truly, I should be more, then that means your situation is your fault. If Mr. A is bruised because of the sin of Mr. B, I'm not going to look at Mr. A and argue that he's not what he should be. You understand that? That's like going up to somebody who's mugged in broad daylight and saying, why are you bruised and bloody? You should be healthy. That person wasn't mugged because he was stupid. That person was mugged because the other person was wicked. Sometimes people are bruised because of other people. And sometimes a smoking flax happens and it's not their fault. In those cases, I'm not gonna go up to that person and say, you should be more. You understand? You could be more. You're not what you used to be. But I'm not gonna look at the victim of somebody else's sin and say you should be more. And friend, neither should you. The devil kicks you while you're down. What you're gonna see in a little bit, Jesus never does that. Now, we do have to admit, don't we? It is often our sin that bruises us. It is often our sin that puts out our flame. If the reason you're bruised is because you've been playing at the devil's playground, if the reason you're smoking is because you've been dancing in the storm of sin and swimming in the swamp of iniquity, then I wholeheartedly agree you are not what you should be. God did not make you to be bruised. God did not make you to barely smolder. He wants so much more from you. But it is often our sin that comes along. And we have to admit, it is often our sin that makes us have to admit we are not what we used to be. And we're not what we could be. And we're not what we should be. But this is the hardest one of all. When we're a bruised reed and smoking flax, we have to admit we're not what we want to be. We want to be strong, but we're bruised. Didn't Paul three times say, Lord, would you take this away? I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be afraid. We want to be burning, but we're only smoking. We want to be different, but we can't change. We want to be useful. But what use does anybody have for a bruised reed and smoking flax? We want to be of value in some way, in any way. But what value can be found in something so weak and fragile? My friend, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm going somewhere with this. But before you can ascend up to the mountain of grace, you have to descend into the valley of humility. And we have to admit something. Do you know what you call something that's not what it used to be? Do you know what you call something that's not what it could be? Do you know what you call something that's not what it should be and not even what it wants to be? Good for nothing. Worthless. As worthless as wanting to build a house and being handed a stack of bruised reeds. As worthless as trying to navigate through a dark tunnel and needing a flashlight and somebody giving you a piece of smoking flax. What is this supposed to do? 
And that is a fearful place to be when you live in a world that does not take too kindly to the weak and the damaged. And that's why when we suffer a quick and a sudden blow that bruises us, we do everything we can to act strong. We do everything we can to put on a show and act like we're a strong tree when we're not. But we don't want people to see our weakness. We don't want people to know that we're wounded. A big part of that is pride, but let's go a little bit further. We know if somebody finds out just how close we are to being broken and they take advantage of our situation, I've got no strength to fight back. When you're a little guy like me, but you got a big mouth like me, you pick fights that you can't end. I have started many fights. I've never finished one physically. And what I learned is you just got to talk big. I'm Asian, man. You don't know, do you? You don't know what my dad taught me, do you? So we talk big. That's why when after a long train of disappointments and failures have turned our lives into smoking flax, we do everything we can to hide that dying fire. It's our pride that doesn't want people want us to see or want people to see us in that situation, but it's a matter of survival. We don't want anybody to get around that because if you if I can't trust you, you'll be the end of me. In an ocean of sharks, you can't afford to bleed. In a world of cruelty, we can't afford to be weak, so we smile. When inside we're crying. And we laugh when inside we're hurting. And we say we're good, but we wish we had somebody to tell, I'm not okay. Somebody to tell, I am one step away from being extinguished. I am one step away from losing all hope. We wish we had somebody who wouldn't take advantage of our situation. Somebody who will care for our wounds. Somebody who, will tr who we can trust with our infirmities. But it's not that simple. It's not that simple because when you're a bruised reed and when you're smoking flax, all it takes for you to be destroyed is to trust one wrong someone. So we have to wonder who in such a cruel and calloused world would ever care about something as worthless as a bruised reed and smoking flax. It is into that same cruel and callous world that God sent his son. Into a world that was ruled by survival of the fittest, God sent the fittest of them all. In a world where only the strong remain, God sent the strongest of them all. Into a world whose philosophy had always been, let the weak perish. God sent Jesus. But what would his philosophy be? Let me read you a portion from Psalm 2. I just want you to listen to it. This is what God told Jesus. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Son, all you have to do 
is ask and I will make this whole world bow before you. The worlds were made by you and for your pleasure, they are and were created. All you have to do is ask and you will possess everything in this earth in a moment. Ask of me and I will send 12 legions of angels and every bruised reed will be broken and every smoking flax will be put out at your word, son. But son, I so love the world that instead of giving you the world for your inheritance, I want to give you to the world for their deliverance. As my son, all you have to do is ask, and the world is yours. But as my servant, you must do what I ask. And Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation. Hey, hey, he shall not cry. He shall not lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. He made himself of no reputation on, and took upon him the form of a servant. A servant to whom? Well, mankind certainly, but his father. He said over and over, I'm here to do the will of my father. And that is why the devil tempted him and said, don't you want the kingdoms for yourself? Now, why would Jesus bow before Satan in order to get the kingdoms of the world when all he has to do is ask of his father? But he did not come to do that. He came to do the will of his father. And as that holy son of man walked the streets of this cruel and callous world, he constantly came into contact with people whose lives could best be described by this word. Worthless. Bruised reeds who were but one step away from being broken. Smoking flax who were but one step away from being extinguished. And while all others would have cast them aside, Jesus came and bound up their wounds. When all others would have put them away, Jesus came and slowly fanned their flame back ablaze again. Once there was a woman who for 12 years suffered from an issue of blood. She spent all she had, was made nothing better. In fact, she was made worse. Suffered many things at the hands of the physicians. The physicians didn't treat her to make her better. The physicians treated her to make themselves rich. And with her issue of blood, she became an outcast from society. You cannot have a job. You cannot have contact with people without making them unclean. You cannot come and worship at the temple. You are on house arrest. The society told her, worthless. Not what she used to be, not what she could be, not what she should be, not what she wanted to be. Her life that was once bright and vibrant had now diminished into one little bit of smoking flax. But with that last ember of hope, she reached out and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And when he felt that virtue leave him, on the way to heal somebody's daughter, he stops everything and said, who touched me? And he took the time. This woman who is not supposed to touch anybody, you are unclean. And you have made everybody else in this crowd that you've been jostling. The Bible says that they, they pressed upon him. She touched multiple people and made them ceremonially unclean. And now she just touched 
what even the least of the people thought, a rabbi. And he looks, and this is the first word, daughter. You're not cast out from your people. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. I'm just going to, I know that your daughter is about to die. Your 12-year-old daughter. Well, this woman has been struggling with something as long as your daughter's been alive. Give me a moment just to fan this flame a little bit. There is another woman lived in a city called Sychar. Started hanging around the wrong friends and had the wrong influences, and it led her to make some terrible choices. She became immoral. Married a husband, wasn't what she thought it was going to be, divorced him. Married a second, wasn't what she thought it was going to be, divorced him. Time after time after time, she married five times, divorced five times. The man she was living with at that moment was not her husband. She probably said, this whole marriage thing doesn't work for me. I don't need a piece of paper to tell me I'm married. But the reputation she got with the women in Sychar is she's a harlot. Worthless. Don't come and draw water with us in the cool of the day. You go in the heat of noon. You stay away from us, and you stay away from our men. Cast out, trodden down, worthless, smoking flax. Worthless even in the eyes of the disciples of Jesus Christ who walked right by her without saying a word. But Jesus came and took the time and fanned that little smoking flax back into a flame And that same worthless, adulterous woman brought nearly an entire city to Jesus Christ. There's a man named Peter. Just a fisherman. Uneducated. Had a, I almost said a potty mouth. Wow. (laughs) You need to tell I have kids. Had a horrible mouth. Denied Jesus three times. And Peter said, I'm done. I'm going back fishing. I will never be anything more. And Jesus came and said, Peter, get back up. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. I have Pentecost to preach. And that same worthless fisherman, denier of Christ, brought about 3,000 souls to the Lord in one sermon. There's another man named Matthew who betrayed his own countrymen and started working for the Roman government in order to collect taxes. And they were known for taking more than what they needed to, taxes. Outcast. Nobody liked him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. Jesus came and said, follow me. And that same worthless tax collector wrote the first book of our our New Testament. What about Zacchaeus? Worthless. Today I shall abide at thine house. And that same worthless publican became one of the most generous Christians in Jericho. Do I need to go on? How about Mary Magdalene? When that first demon possessed her, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then the fifth, and then the sixth, and then the seventh demon possessed that woman. And everybody said, stay away from her. Leave her alone. But she had one precious possession in her life, an alabaster box. And she broke it over Jesus' head and feet. And as a sinner, cried upon his feet and wiped him with her tears. And while everyone else said, if this man knew who she was, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. Worthless, bruised reed, smoking flax. And Jesus said, let her alone. And now that same worthless demon-possessed girl, her story is told everywhere the gospel is told as a memorial of her. What about the man in Gadara who had about 2,000 demons within him? The men bound him with chains, let him go in the tombs, worthless. 
plague to society. Be better off if he was dead. But Jesus came and healed him and taught him. And that same worthless, demon-possessed man became a powerhouse preacher of the gospel. What about Doubting Thomas? When Jesus came and found that bruised reed, he held out his hands in love and said, Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas went to a martyr's death for his Savior. Write this upon the table of your heart and burn this upon the memory of your life. You may not be what you used to be, and you may not be what you could be, and you may not be what you should be, and you may not be what you want to be, but if you give your life to Jesus, not just in word, but in deed, he will make you more than you could ever hope to be. You may be worthless in the eyes of man. You are worth it in the eyes of Jesus. I don't know what event may have bruised you recently. It might be a disappointment. It might be a diagnosis. It might be a tragedy. It might be hurtful words spoken your way. You might have suffered a physical attack. You might be going through the end of a relationship. You might have made a mistake, a very sinful decision that bruised you. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this. Jesus will not break you. He will take you just as you are. You're not broken yet. You still have some life in you, and that means you're worth it to my Savior. I don't know the string of events that have passed that have brought your life to be nothing more than smoking flax this morning. It could be the weight of sin that is crushing you. It could be you've been chasing religion your entire life, and it's not getting you anywhere. It could be that you're running from God. It could be that you're carrying burdens or you're struggling with an addiction or you have a toxic workplace or you have a toxic home or you've made bad decision after bad decision or you're just going through constant battle in life. One of you said Murphy's Law is in full effect today. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this. Jesus will not quench you. You're not extinguished yet. You still have some glow to you, and that means that he, it means that you are still worth it to him. He will take you just as you are. Because in Jesus' mind, if there's room to hope at all, there's reason to hope for all. When man sees a bruised reed, he just throws it to the side. Jesus sees hope. Jesus sees something that's still alive. When man sees a smoking flax that's one breath away, Jesus sees, I could start a big fire with that. Every bruised reed can find healing. Every smoking flax can burn again. Man may see you as worthless. Jesus sees you as worth it. So what does that mean for us? Two lessons. Lesson number one, when we seek to break bruised reeds, when we seek to extinguish smoking flax, when we write people off as worthless, when we see somebody who has been dealt a crushing blow and we do not help to bind up their wounds, when we see somebody who's going through a difficult time and we do everything we can to put out their flame instead of fan it, we are living in direct opposition to the ministry of Jesus Christ. When people are bruised and barely burning, that is not the time to set them aside. That's the time they need the love of Christ the most. And I've had some of you come up to me recently and say, Pastor, I've been struggling with this, but I did not want to tell you because I didn't want to disappoint you. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't know how you would react. My friend, if I come back at you as a bruised reed and I break you, that is between me and God and God shall punish me for it. But Jesus will not break you and neither will I. Not if I'm right with him. Jesus will not extinguish you and neither will I. There's still hope. Lesson number two. If we ourselves have been bruised by a recent event, if we ourselves have followed a long train of things that have made us nothing more than an ember, it's not the will of Jesus for you to stay that way. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care if the world says you're worthless. Jesus says you're worth it. Don't hide from the healer. 
Dr. Shawner, when people come into you, one of the first questions that you ask is, where does it hurt? And if they don't tell you the truth, you can't help them. Why are we hiding where it hurts from the Savior? Do we think he doesn't already know? Where, child, where does it hurt? Where are you bruised? Why are you smoking? And if your answer is, I hate that person, you need to tell him. If your answer is, I have so much bitterness within my heart, you need to tell him. If your answer is, I can't forgive so-and-so, you need to tell him. Where does it hurt? Where are you bruised? Why are you smoking? He's not going to break you. He will not extinguish you. If you'll let him, he loves you so much, he'll take you just as you are. But he loves you too much to keep you just as you are. If you let him, he will take your wounds and bind them up so that you can be stronger one day. He will fan your flames so that you can burn again one day. Oh, but I'm so bruised and I'm so low. I just don't see how it can happen. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. I don't care what you've gone through. Come to him. He shall not fail. Every person in your Bible that ever did anything great for God was at once a bruised reed and smoking flax. God came to one named Moses in the backside of Midian who had murdered somebody and had been wandering for 40 years. God came to another one who murdered a husband to cover up his adultery with the man's, with the man's wife. He came to another one named Rahab. He came to another one named Ruth. He came to another one named Esther, who did nothing of her own. It was all done to her. And used every single one of them. He'll use you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.